0: And use code Ross. That's code Ross for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call eight seven seven eight Hope N Y or text Hope N Y four six seven three six nine. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call eight 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 seven. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas, NFL training camps opening this week, I believe on Wednesday, five different teams at least had their rookies report, man, by the way, reporting for training camp July 19th, that's a long haul, bro, I mean, till the early January, I mean, that is, that is a long road. For those rookies, it is the Even Money Podcast. He's the star of the show. I can freely admit that. Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling. You can check him out on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter, former NFL offensive lineman. Five teams, seven years, your classic journeyman, but... It was a heck of a temp job in my 20s. We're presented by BetOnline.ag, the online gaming website of choice for the Even Money Podcast with the best odds and fast payouts. I should mention our trusty producer, Brian Neal, is with us as well, and you can check him out on Twitter, at Brian Neal. No, it's not at Brian Neal. It's at RTF Podcast. What am I talking about If you're a Facebook-only person, facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Steve, a couple things I want to get into. Before I forget, since I was just talking about it, and I know we've talked about it before, the Super Bowl of professional football gambling that you won back-to-back years and then no other year have you gotten in the top 20 or whatever, what's that called again and how do you enter it and when does it start and when does it finish?
1: It's the Super Contest at the Westgate, and you can sign up for it now. The first sign-up was Brent Musburger, who lives now here in Las Vegas, retired Hall of Fame sportscaster, and they're projecting enough entries, Ross, that first prize $1 million this year.
0: What was it when you won?
1: 200000
0: why has it increased so much? Is is a lot of that just Musburger and the attention with him doing it, or has it been a gradual thing?
1: It's been gradual. It helped that I won back-to-back in 08 and 09, and all of a sudden that kind of raised up. Um, people thinking, hey, you know what? There might be an advantage here to go ahead and play in this if I know more than the average bear. Um, and just the um, Colin, Colin Coward went ahead and had his blazing five where he didn't actually enter the contest, but he played against the numbers one year and did really well. I think that helped as well. And so it's just exploded in popularity and you can get proxies. So you don't even have to be in town. What you can do is you can show up in August and there's several very capable proxies, um, including um, Andy Isco here locally is the one I'd recommend. Or Kelly in Vegas, if you like to have a proxy that's um, a very capable and pretty um, sports better. Both of them are excellent, and so just come to Vegas once, and you can sign up fifteen hundred dollars, can turn it into a million.
0: So, but what what's the like? How does the contest itself work in terms of like it's it's all season?
1: It's all season, all seventeen weeks. They print the spreads out on sides only, no totals on Wednesday, and you have to submit your picks by Saturday morning, I believe at 10 a.m. Um, and you, I believe the top 50 are going to get paid this year. And the first prize person, I think it's 30%, uh, or about one-third of the total money put into the pool. And so if there's $3 million in the total pool money, first prize will be about a million.
0: Why don't they do more pools like that? That sounds awesome. And I, I can see why a lot of people, it seems like they should do more things like that.
1: They do have other contests at other casinos. I think William Hill has a college football contest for $500, so they have the premium uh, college football contest. What happens is that you just can't have too many of them in town, Ross, because um, I have to tell you, I used to sign up for all of them, and it became like a full-time J-O-B because I wanted to put in my picks – as close to the deadline as possible, have perfect information. So Friday became a nightmare where I literally, Friday and Saturday morning, was submitting picks at six different locations, driving around in rush hour, Friday, Vegas traffic, into late Friday night. Uh, Couldn't do any handicapping, couldn't do any betting. All I was was a contest player one year.
0: Got it. Okay. That makes sense. And I know last week... um Steve, you went on vacation. Um, where, where'd where you go?
1: You know, I went to Chicago. I love Chicago. I went to school at Northwestern. i totally, totally forgotten about this regional favorite song, Lakeshore Drive, cruising on south down Lakeshore Drive. Tomorrow is another day. And it's just such an awesome song and such a great place to go for the summer. If anyone was looking to get out of the heat, In a summer, you don't need a car, just stay downtown, take the kids, spend three or four days, see Navy Pier, see Millennium Park, see all the museums, the aquarium, the planetarium. It really is awesome.
0: Yeah, um, and, and you've been tweeting a lot about the Cubs. Chicago is awesome, by the way, especially in the summer. You've been tweeting a lot about the Cubs. I did want to ask you that. From a betting perspective, it feels like Steve, for whatever reason, that this happens more in baseball than any other sport. Like, when a team has the talent that the Cubs have or had last year, in the NFL, there might be an injury here or there, and they drop off. But usually there's some explanation. Um, Although maybe you could argue that's not the case for the Super Bowl hangover, Super Bowl loser team. In the NBA, this almost never happens. But I feel like in baseball – This happens a decent amount, where it's I don't know if it's the Red Sox, the Yankees. Like, it feels like the Red Sox like win the World Series one year, they stink the next, and they win it again. I I don't know what that is about baseball. Do they do they factor that possibility in, or were like the Cubs numbers before the season sky
1: high? Yeah, they were still sky high. There was regression in the model. They won what 103 games last year. They had a run differential of about 1.7. They outscored their opponents by, I think, 1.7 runs per game. And then they're a 500 team. And I have to tell you, I disagree with a lot of the wise guys. The wise guys run their models with big-time uh, weighted averages. So the fact that the Cubs can't hit and they can't pitch this year doesn't deter them. They look at, hey, let me look at the last 18 months of data. They're going to come around. And I feel like and, – and this is – I'm on an island here. I actually think that the Cubs – may have had some kind of PED that may have been legal, may not have been legal, may not have been checked for, that they're not using this year. Because I just can't get over how every one of their players, including John Ross, a broken down old catcher who couldn't hit 200, suddenly could hit 230 with some power when he was with the Cubs his last year. And you look at Jake Arrieta, and he goes from nothing to Cy Young material, and then right back this year to a four earn run average. And their starting pitching is all struggling. They have a very good bullpen. And you look at the Atlanta Braves lineup compared to the Cubs lineup. It's shocking. Print it out today. You you won't believe it. You'll look at these at, at these lineups and say, other than Rizzo and Bryant, the Cubs really have a terrible lineup. And so the wise guys think they're going to come around. I don't think they will. They won five in a row. So I think it's prime time to start betting against the Cubs.
0: Um, I also want to give. Uh, Steve, that's interesting, by the way. I, I mean, it just seemed like last year they had so much talent. I want to give a shout-out to John, Dave, Mike, Greg, Tony, Tom, Mary, and Lee, Scott, and Steve Shillable, a.k.a. Raider Steve. They take took advantage of the Amazon.com banner ad over at RossTucker.com, and they just wanted a shout-out. They have... I guess Steve some type of Steve Fezik, not Raider Steve, some type of syndicate, one of them um you know has a master's degree in actuarial science or something in math and the nine of them I guess bet bet together as a group. Um and I've heard about this. I've heard I know Warren Sharp was talking on the Fantasy Feast podcast last week about the betting syndicates. I got to be honest. I don't know that much about them, Steve. Can you enlighten me a little bit on that and the impact that they have on any bets that any of us make?
1: Sure. And I've been part of betting syndicates. I'm a one-man gang now, like the um, the wrestler formerly known as Akeem with the WWF. Um, but I used to work with with a big group. By the way, I too have a master's in actuarial science. I guess you could call that. It, I'm a fellow in the Society of Actuaries, so I went. I took all the exams. And in my former corporate lifetime, so I'm sure I would get along well with um, the uh, your fellow actuary that you've um, been in contact with. But um, there's a lot of advantages to working with people. I actually think nine's way too big. But ideally, here's what you would do, Ross. If you're a betting syndicate, you get three or four people together, and you put one guy or two guys in Las Vegas. You would put one guy in Vancouver so he could bet legally at all these places that restrict access to U.S. citizens, and so now he's got access betting places like Pinnacle, Matchbook. We can play, not just bet online, not just um, bet DSI. So a whole bunch. So you've, you you have all the possible outs. Heck, go ahead and put somebody in Delaware where they have some legalized parlay betting, um, and then you got a couple guys that are full-time handicappers, and all they do is watch the games, and they basically tell you what to bet, and that goes into your trading desk. And then your trading desk, you have one guy centrally located that finds where the best number is, he contacts the person who has access to that to go ahead and bet it. And it becomes like one big Wall Street operation.
0: What's the downside? You said and you said in particular that you think nine nine sounds like too many.
1: Oh accounting. Accounting is a nightmare. So everybody is betting and their different accounts and they got to reconcile all their different accounts and how they did for the week. And inevitably, it doesn't balance. So you're short $4,000 and you're trying to find it. What, what happened? As an overall group, I logged every bet and we made 20000 Why, when I add up every individual's results, am I only up 16000 You have to be really good on the accounting side to the point of you really should have one guy who's either – has an accounting background or at least some sort of mathematical business background that's used to balancing the books, you would be shocked how many times that that happens.
0: Speaking of stuff that we're going to get into this week for actual um, betting advice, things that are going on, let's start, Steve, with Zeke Elliott and the impact of his probable suspension. I mean it went from unlikely to decent chance to now it seems like it, it'd be stunning if he wasn't suspended. The the real question now seems to be is it one game or four games? And I'm curious, has that had any impact on like the Cowboys
1: win total, for example? It's pretty been pretty steady um at the 9.5 to 10 level, it's basically 9.75, where it's 9.5 vig to the over. But some books actually have pulled it off with the uncertainty. They don't want to get hit with, oh, Elliot might have an eight-game suspension. That would be very unlikely. Vegas doesn't like running backs, Ross. Vegas doesn't think much of running backs, and at most— the running backs we like to value as being worth in any one game only about half a point. But I, I really think Zeke Elliott is the exception. I think he is worth a full point. Um, I People have used the example, and it's a good one, that last year Bell was out for Pittsburgh. And he's so important. Well, you just plug in D'Angelo Williams and he, what is he, he turns for 143 and they maul the Redskins week one. So compared to quarterbacks, running backs, don't matter. But I do think he's worth a point on the line compared to, um, you know, his backup, which um, is, is significant. You look at it, it's the giants week one. I like the giants. Anyways, a lot of wise guys like the giants. So the line dropped from six to five and now it's four and a half. in most places, many are saying, Oh, you know, Elliot's worth the point, but it's, I think it'll keep dropping because people are going to bet the giants anyways. And now that we have McFadden likely starting, or Morris even, uh, getting some playtime instead of Zeke, I think we're going to see that line go down to four.
0: So you think it's not as, like, how much of that do you think is a direct result of Zeke? And how much of that do you think is as a result of just, you think people are naturally going to bet the Giants anyway?
1: Yeah, I think it's a point that people are going to bet the Giants to move it from six to five and another point for Zeke being out. And I think this is a case where the public is right and the wise guys are wrong, where the wise guys are like, ah, I'm not going to overreact to one running back. But I think he really is worth the point. I did want to ask you as an old lineman, I'm sure you had situations where you had a quarterback or a star running back injured how much of an impact would that have on you the the book is is that many times the first game after that key injury everyone steps it up they get to bed really early they practice hard they know they've got to play harder to make up for it so the the better o-line play makes up for it the first game
0: i don't know steve if it's conscious or subconscious but i do think that there is something to that you know sometimes it's The coaches choose to simplify the system. Sometimes it is a a situation where the defense really doesn't know what the focal point of the offensive game plan is going to be with another running back or another quarterback. So I think that there's sort of an element of surprise there. Sometimes that guy really is motivated to make the most of his opportunity. And I think I can remember times where we were like, hey, look, so-and-so's out. we got to really carry the load this week. Other times, I think maybe it was just kind of subconscious. You just kind of knew that you really needed to to play well for your team to have a chance to win. But, yeah, I I can remember that um, several times. I would also tell you, though, it's funny because during a game, Steve – you know who the quarterback is because you're in the huddle and you're looking at him, and he's talking to you. He's telling you the play. But I can't tell you how many times I had no idea, like in Buffalo, whether it was Travis Henry or Willis McGahee. I didn't look. I didn't really care. I mean, it didn't didn't really affect me. Now, they were different runners. They had different styles. Willis was more patient. Uh, T. Hen would just hit it real hard. Um, so they had different styles, but it doesn't really affect what you're trying to do. You know, it might affect the game plan. I mean, the play calling a little bit, but you still are carrying out the play to the best of your ability, not knowing who's behind you. A lot of times I wouldn't know who ran the ball until I saw him on the ground at the end of the play. Um, that make, and that yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, obviously going into the week, if a guy's hurt, you know. But that's the other thing. What people don't realize a lot of times, Steve, is they, a lot of times they try to keep it from the players who's actually going to play or not, too. You know, like they, they'll tell the star running back or whoever, you know, don't say anything. Because, you know, they don't want the star running back to tell the backup O-lineman that he's not going to play. Backup O-lineman tells his agent or whomever. And then, you know, the agent then reaches out to his buddy in the media to curry favor for when he needs a favor sometime down the line and says, hey, just so you know, you know, McGee, he's not going to play this week. I mean, a lot of times that happens anyway. Because, but they really, they, the coaches really try to keep that information close to the vest as much as they possibly can. I guess my other question, as it relates to Zeke, Steve, is I've seen where there are actual odds on whether or not he gets suspended. And, um, you know, who who places those bets? You know, I mean, it, it would seem to me like almost anyone that's placing that bet with the intent to really win would be someone that has some level of inside information. Otherwise, how do you know?
1: Exactly, and these predetermined situations—well, um, you can bet on you know who's going to win an Oscar. You can bet on the um, you know things that have already been determined. What color is the Gatorade going to be on the Super Bowl? And the way that the books manage those situations is they just put very, very low limits on those bets, and they've got certain wise guys flagged as A players. These are the type of players that get that information and when one of those wise guys makes a who's already he's already limited he can only bet $100 but hey $100 is $100 so he bets it and literally he might bet something um, minus a dollar 20 instead of moving to minus a dollar 35 they'll move the vig to minus 200 they'll say hey that's the information zeke is going to get suspended we're going to move it 100 cents we saw that in the prop betting in the NBA most recently um we saw it with um, the Utah Jazz free agent. Where was he going to play next year? And he wound up in Boston. And he went from minus 110 to go to Boston to minus 140. Blink and he's up to minus 260. And when ESPN started to actually even report that he was heading to Boston. And about an hour later, it was official. And that bet was off the board.
0: The other thing I wanted to ask you, news this week, is stuff going on with Kirk Cousins and his contract and you know the Redskins put it out there how much they offered him and he turned it down and and then you've got you know Dave Gettleman the GM who's been excellent for the Panthers getting fired I guess my question there is does anything like that affect anything win totals lines anything Or is it only 100% whether or not players are on the field and available for a game? Or, Or is there some type of accounting taken into for dysfunction within an organization?
1: I account for it. Vegas doesn't. All Vegas cares about is, is the players, are the players playing? I think. I actually disagree with the Vegas wise guys in terms of contracts. I love a quarterback in a contract year. I love a guy that's got to put up to get the really big dollars. I hate the, Oh, we've shown Carr um, that, that we're committed to him and we just gave him this big fat contract. And now he can just sit back and relax and play football. No, he can sit back at his another Lambo and have the time of his life knowing there's no pressure on him. I can't stand big fat contracts that are given to players. I know you need to do it, but like with the Raiders, boy, that's, that's not a buy sign. That's a sell sign. The first year of a huge contract. I wanted to ask you, Russ, have you ever seen a player get a huge contract and it make him play better?
0: Hmm. I don't know about better, but there's definitely been some guys that have gotten huge contracts and played really well. I, I mean, I, I think Janoris Jenkins played better last year for the Giants than he ever did for the Rams. You know, and I don't know if it's a confidence thing, if it is a I-need-to-live-up-to-the-money-I-got thing, or if it's just coaching and the Steve Spagnuolo and the Giants had a much better plan for how to use Janoris Jenkins – than how he was used in Los Angeles. I mean that's or with the rams that that's one of the the problems I think with football as much as anything else is that there's so many factors that go into or could potentially go into everything that it's hard to ever just isolate everything else out and put your finger on one thing. Um, I would say in general, Steve, more guys probably play poorly. After they get a big deal, then they do play well. In other words, if they're an, uh, a 7 or an 8 player, more guys after they get that big deal play like a 6, 5 or worse than they do that play like an 8, 9, or 10. It's just the nature of it. I don't know. And a lot of that sometimes is because they're switching teams, they're switching schemes, and the team doesn't know how to use them. Or maybe they didn't quite put as much time in in the offseason. And especially like certain positions like D-line, Steve, those are effort positions, man. I mean, that is an effort position. You really, you got to dangle a carrot. And a lot of times, you know, after the guy gets that kind of big a deal, I mean, they eat the carrot. Um, What what are your thoughts on Carolina this year just in general, Steve? Can you think they can get back to 2015?
1: Carolina's fascinating. First off, whenever I see a GM get canned and then guys are tweeting, well, now I can play for Carolina. And of course I couldn't have last week with that guy in charge. That's always a positive sign because a happy team is a team that I want to bet on and an unhappy team. Wow. I want to avoid at all costs. So the Panthers, obviously 15 win team two years ago, six win team last year. I like to do like a two thirds, one thirds, all things being equal. Uh, waiting, where obviously they're much better than that six win team of last year, but they're not going to be nearly as good as the Super Bowl year. That puts them at nine. That's their season win number. I think it comes down to Cam's health. I mean, he's got McCaffrey now. Um, he will how um, adept will he be at dumping the ball up faster, not taking as many hits, but still being willing to run. If he's not willing to run, Cam's no good. He's got to use his wheels. And then he's he's a very good quarterback. So I got to see is he healthy and is he able to still pick up those third downs with his legs, third down conversions, third and five.
0: A couple other things I wanted to ask you about, Steve, that aren't NFL related. Um, World Series of Poker. What uh, what what advice do you have for for folks that are interested in that?
1: Well, it's Thursday. It'll be televised, I'm sure, on ESPN, probably with their 15 minute delay. I would watch it. Vegas is basking in this World Series of Poker because what we've had, Ross, it's turned into a chess tournament the last few years where you've got nothing but poker pros, and they're very analytical, and they know the linear chip models, and they know when to 3-bet and 4-bet, and it's not good viewership. But this year, we have an Englishman, John Hesp, who's just a recreational player. He's 64. He wears these, I don't know if you've seen these flashy shirts Uh, flashy blazers, almost like John Daly style, with a Panama hat. And he has just brought a joy to the poker table. He drinks while he plays. So it should be a very entertaining final table with him in second in chips going into it. So this should be much more entertaining than your average bear World Series of Poker final table.
0: I like it. Um, What about speaking of Vegas basking in the glow? I've seen some of the crowds that were waiting to get into some of those NBA Summer League games. That is unbelievable. And I, I got to think that is primarily a, a byproduct of Lonzo Ball and his dad, Lavar Ball. I mean, those guys, they are like marketing dynamos.
1: Yeah, the perfect storm has hit where Vegas has become a basketball destination. During March Madness, the Pac-12 has their tournament here. The Mountain West has their tournament here. The the, the West Coast um, Basketball League has their tournament here. So Vegas is used to basketball extravaganzas, and they treat these players great. I believe they always stay at the Wynn, which is my favorite hotel to stay in in Las Vegas. And it's just a fantastic experience for all the players. They're super happy. And there's nothing else going on. By now, we're kind of tired of baseball, and you can actually bet on the games. They put up lines on these things. The, in the championship game, Alonzo um, didn't play, but the Lakers opened up as a four-point favorite against Portland. They wound up a two-point underdog. You'll never see that. Um, typically a six-point line move in a championship game. The Lakers get it done. So everyone coming up from Southern California, board people in Vegas looking for sporting events, going to see it. They, they were packing the crowds in. It was a great time here in Vegas.
0: Speaking of placing bets, the place to do that, I know you know this, Steve, is betonline.ag. If you go to www.betonline.ag and use the promo code EVENMONEY on your first deposit, you will score a 50% welcome bonus worth up to $2,500 in sportsbook free plays. No matter what it is that you're into and what you like to bet, Bet Online earns an A plus rating. As any sharp better knows, and Steve has talked about this on the show before, the best value is often in the early odds, and that is what Bet Online does. They also will get you can get a risk free twenty five dollar bet on your first in game play. So that's pretty cool. Plus, they got a very busy poker room. If you're into that, they got a casino. I mean, they got everything you need. Just go to betonline.ag. Make sure you use the promo code EVEN MONEY to score your $2,500 bonus. Again, that's EVEN MONEY at betonline.ag. Steve, we have one email question. This week that I wanted to get to with you. It comes to us from Mike in Oakland, California. He took advantage of the Saks underwear deal. Saks with two X's underwear slash Tucker. And he said, fellas, I've been a regular listener now for the last two seasons. Enjoy your insights into sports and sports gambling immensely. Always look forward to listening on the way home from work. It's a nice pick me up. Given there's no football now, I'm focused on baseball. I have tried using systems such as fading the public, taking dogs, following sharp money, and have been mediocre. On the flip side, it seems Steve does quite well at baseball. Do either of you have a general approach when handicapping baseball? Clearly it is defined value, but how does one approach finding this? I would find it interesting if you could explain your process of evaluating lines, trends, etc. Thank you for any insight you provide. Can't wait to listen to the upcoming pods best. That's Mike C. in Oakland, who went to RossTucker.com and took advantage of the Saks underwear deal. So betting baseball, Steve, what do
1: you got? I think you want to look at the public when the public is backing a team and you don't agree with it. I think that that can give you a great opportunity, especially all the way up to post right before the game starts. I use the example of the Cubs. I don't like what I've seen from the Cubs all year long, and they're riding a five-game winning streak. Every game, money comes on the Cubs roster. If they open at Pickham, they're minus 125 at post typically. So that would be um, a fade the public situation. The more games the Cubs win, the more I want to bet against them. I think try to find a a place – um a model that goes ahead and gives you numbers the night before and Bet Online puts these lines up 24 hours before. They're up. They're gonna be up at noon for tomorrow's games. So if you can get um, some basic core numbers for that someone can generate that'll show you what his numbers are, where you see a big differential, there might be five or six games and you could go ahead and look to get value, lock in some numbers that are likely to move not certain uh that you already like as well I'll throw one guy out that i i don't have any affiliation whatsoever with him but um he does a real nice job i think it's base winner is his name on twitter base like like baseball and then winner and his um he's still a little biased in my opinion on his totals all his totals are low and i think the ball's juiced and his model hasn't compensate for that but he has he gives out a projection if you sign up for him i think he's pretty inexpensive for um what the numbers will be for the next day and it's a great starting point um you do have to pay for it but i have no affiliation i don't make a nickel off of this you know reference but i kind of that i like to have one or two i actually have two baseline guys that i start with their numbers and then i start tweaking based with those numbers with my opinion and oftentimes i'll bet get down the on the overnights before some likely line moves
0: Got it. I love it. Thanks for the question, Mike. You guys can always ask your own questions. Just send any of the sponsor confirmations from anything we got over at RossTucker.com or BetOnline.ag. Send it to me, Ross at com with whatever your question is for Steve. And I mean, not much better than that to be able to ask a pro like Steve a direct question like that. They'll do it for this week's show tomorrow, or I mean next week, I should say. We will really start to get hot and heavy into the NFL, the win totals, talk preseason betting, maybe even discuss Steve's best bet for every week of the season with some of those places where they already have the lines up. Should be a real good show next week. Other than that, I think we're done here. Good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and the College
1: Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.